look, look at the birds. They don't even have barns. They don't even have arms. They're not putting anything away. But every single day they're fed. The father takes care of them. And he says very clearly, aren't you worth more than birds? The answer is yeah. Welcome to Refuge Podcast, a weekly Bible study for young adults at Calvary Chapel, San Juan Capistrano. Okay, well, let us, uh, let's get into this. So, uh, my name is Brendan. Very thankful to be with you guys tonight. We are still in the book of Psalms. Uh, Andrew told me to pick whatever one I, I was feeling. Um, he's already taken so many of the good ones, you know what I mean? Um, this psalm is something that I feel like uh, the Lord gave me for this evening. Psalm chapter 40. And we're only going to focus on three verses, verses one, two, and three. I'm, I'm bringing a simple word tonight. We're not uh, getting too crazy. We're just, we're just going <laughs> to talk about the word, and I'm going to give a simple encouragement tonight from these three verses. Um, for me personally, this is a timely word. I've been... Uh, I've been uh, endeavoring to stay close to the Lord uh, in this season. Uh, it might sound corny, because it's like, aren't you always trying to stay close to the Lord? Yeah, but uh, this is something different. I've been, uh, I've been trying to stay as near as possible. Um, so tonight, Psalm 40, verses 1 through 3, I'll just read it. It says this. It's a Davidic psalm. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord. And he turned to me and heard my cry for help. He brought me up from a desolate pit out of the muddy clay and set my feet on a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear, and they will trust in the Lord. Tonight, I want to present to you the idea we see it right in that first verse. I waited patiently, David says. Uh, tonight, I, just, I literally just want to talk about what it looks like to wait well. I would like to show you um, the juxtaposition of waiting patiently versus waiting anxiously and seek the Lord on what we might find clarity-wise. Um, I'd like to pose this question as we begin this study so that you might have something to... Uh, think into as we as we think through some of these ideas. Are any of you tonight? You don't have to raise your hand. You just answer. You know, in your own in your own heart and mind. Are any of you guys tonight um, waiting for something? Are you currently in the moment? You're waiting for something. Um, maybe it might be something like oh, I'm waiting for a direction uh, for a new job, or I'm waiting for. Uh, the Lord to bring me a spouse. Maybe a little young for that, but maybe. Even maybe I'm waiting for this current season to be over because I'm losing it. Maybe it's something like that. 
Um, no matter what it may be, I would like to show you that there are indeed two ways to go about waiting. The first one is patiently. <laughs> That's what David says. He says, I waited patiently on the Lord. So one way that we see with David is that he waited patiently. This word in the Hebrew, if you go back, it's, you got a hakalugi in the beginning, chava, right? It's not kava. It's not a Mediterranean chipotle. It's kava. <laughs> Different emphasis on the syllable right there. Uh, kava. But the, the beautiful thing is that word in, in my Bible I'm reading out of the HCSB. That's what, I, that's what I read for my devotions and stuff. I like the way it reads. Anyways, in my Bible, um, that word sometimes is translated trust. Uh, we see it here as waited. I waited patiently. And, and to be honest, that phrase, waited patiently in the Hebrew, is just that one word, kavah. Um, we see the exact same word. As I was doing a, a keyword study on this passage, I was like, I wonder exactly what waited means here. Not only does it say it in Psalm 40, it says it in, in Isaiah 40, verse 31. Very popular verse. It says, those that wait on the Lord will renew their strength, right? They mount up with wings like eagles. Um, it's the exact same word in the Hebrew. So that word wait and trust are the same word. The crazy thing about that word, the beautiful thing about that word, is when you look it up, it's a lot more than just waiting patiently. It is, it comes with this connotation of being bound to something. Um, it, in the Hebrew, it even says like cords of a rope, right? Uh, it's like as if a bunch of sticks were scattered on the ground and you collected them from sticks into a bundle. This word waited patiently means something like that. The beautiful thing about that is David and Isaiah are both waiting on the Lord. And in this waiting, David saying he did it patiently. They are so intertwined with the Lord that you can't tell where the Lord begins and where they end. They are grafted in. They're twisted. They are abiding so closely that their waiting and trusting looks like an embrace with the Lord. Does that make sense? That's what that word holds there. It's a waiting that looks like a drawing near. It looks like believing Jesus when he says in Matthew 6, to seek the kingdom first. And his righteousness and everything else will be provided. It's a waiting in nearness. And part of waiting well, part of waiting patiently, part of waiting in a way that will produce good things in your life is waiting in the nearness of God. To wait closely to God. Not apart from him. To, to wait apart from God is the opposite of waiting patiently. To wait apart from him is the opposite of trusting him. But if we wait closely to him, we can wait patiently. Second thought tonight, waiting well is not just an opportunity to be near to God. It's an opportunity for preparation. My second point tonight is about preparation. It is not often in life that we get an opportunity to prepare for something. I feel like so many things happen to us, right? Something happens to us and then we're left to react. But waiting is an opportune time 
to prepare. To take what you have heard from the Lord or asked of the Lord or are believing from the Lord in that season and waiting and preparing for what is coming. What if, let's go down, let's do a little thought exercise. What if, say this Christmas, Christmas Day, you decided, you know what, I'm going to run a Christmas Day marathon, 26.22 miles, here I come. Why would you do that? Especially on Christmas Day, why would you do that? But you decided to do that. You're crazy. Now, we got about two months till Christmas, right? Something like that? Am I tripping? Um, so, here's one way you can wait. You got two months, here's one way you could wait. You could spend the next two months worrying about the race. You might think, I'm never going to be able to finish this. 26.22 miles, I never ran around my block and not stopped to walk, you might think. Or what if I get a blister on my toe? That's going to throw you off. What if I roll my ankle and I can't finish? You could sit there and worry for two months straight. And how much better would that make you the day of the marathon? None. It was zero percent. It would make you no better. If you spent the next two months just worrying, you would be no better off. The marathon would come. You would not be prepared. You'd probably be out of shape. And I doubt you'd be able to do that. I mean, I, you guys are young. Maybe you could just pick up and run 26.2 miles. I, I couldn't. Now, imagine, adversely, what if you spent the next two months straight preparing and immediately today, you got your diet right. You're counting macros. You're getting everything you need. You're carb loading, right? The fast switch muscle fibers are fed. That's all good. Don't worry about it. Immediately, you start training every day and giving your body a chance to rest at night and to recover. Now, imagine in two months, if every day you were eating right and training and resting right and getting your sleep. Which one of those two do you think would be more prepared come the day of the race? Obviously, right? Obviously. But how often do we, <laughs> in waiting for something, waiting on the Lord, man, I'm believing in the Lord for this specific thing. Lord, I want a new job. But in the meantime, you're doing nothing to prepare for a new job. To the point where if someone were to offer you a new job and say, hey, man, you know, I got an opening at my, at my work. Uh, hand me your resume. I'll, I'll see what I can do. And you're like, resume? I don't, I don't have one. I didn't, I didn't know I needed that. Oh, so you're not prepared at all. You just expect maybe to walk into a job and just begin right now. Preparation is important. And preparation is something that we don't always have the luxury of getting. But if you can determine in your mind, if you could set it in your soul, that as I wait for whatever I'm waiting for, you, you guys thought about it at the beginning when I posed the question. As you are waiting, how can you be in staying close to God? That was point one, waiting near to him. Point two, how can you be waiting in preparation? What is that thing you're waiting for? How can you be waiting and preparing in the meantime? Something to think about. Third point this evening. What about the other side of things? So if there's a way to wait patiently, 
There's a way to wait well. What does it look like to wait anxiously? Uh, to be honest, does anybody here struggle with anxiety? Anybody have that? Their mind's just real? Yeah. It's a very common thing. I see it a lot. I have a hard time relating for the most part. Um, I just got this weird thing in me, this like calm, chill thing, and I don't really worry so much. I have. There have definitely been times. But it's like at night, I put my head on the pillow and I'm gone immediately. It takes about eight seconds for me to fall asleep. I don't really sit there and worry about stuff. I don't really wake up worrying about stuff. It's just not my personal struggle. You know what I mean? Um, but I do have people in my life very close to me that that's their struggle. And I know it's a difficult one because I've seen it firsthand. But listen to this. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. How many things are we given permission to be anxious about? None. Be anxious for nothing. And you might think, <laughs> but what about my child in the hospital? Nothing. You don't understand. I'm a law student. I just took the bar for the fifth time. It's okay for me to be a little bit anxious. I'm going to be anxious until I get these results. The Bible says to be anxious for nothing. It doesn't give you that exception. Yeah, but you don't know what I'm going through. And, uh, dude, school's about to be done, and I have no idea. Dude. I've been applying for different places, and nobody's hiring. I'm probably going to be homeless, dude. I'm anxious about it. Okay, I understand. But I'm just telling you, the Bible, the living word of God itself says not to be. Straight up, it just says, be anxious for nothing. So, listen to this. Jesus, Jesus says this. And if, if there's something, maybe there's something right now that you're anxious about. Maybe there's something you keep checking on your phone, like, oh, man, I just wish this thing would happen or whatever. Jesus speaks straight into anxiety, and he says this. It's Matthew 6, verses 25 through 34. It's a little bit of a chunk but I think it's appropriate. Therefore, this is Jesus speaking. It's in red. I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body. What will you put on it? Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air, for they're neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they are? Which one of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? <laughs> That's such a G line, dude. Jesus says, which one of you have ever worried so much that you grew an inch overnight? Nobody. You can't add a single thing to your life by worrying about it. And Jesus is making it so plain. He's like, look, look at the birds. They don't even have barns. They don't even have arms. They're not putting anything away, but every single day they're fed. The father takes care of them, and he says very clearly, aren't you worth more than birds? The answer is yeah. Yeah, we are, actually. We, we were the crown of creation, the, the ones given dominion over that world. We are worth more than birds. So the Lord's saying, 
I will take care of you even better than that. I'm paying even closer attention, and I'm paying close attention to those birds, believe it or not. Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Lilies aren't out there in the field going, be beautiful today, be purple, be vibrant, eat the sun rays. I don't got to do it. <laughs> it just are. <laughs> but he says, but I say to you plainly, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is to, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And I, it's funny, I was just listening to a friend of mine teach this. Uh, he was teaching a, a different study, but he quoted this verse in Matthew. And he says, I wish Jesus wouldn't have said that very last part. And it was funny to me because he says, today's got enough trouble of its own to worry about. You know what I mean? Tomorrow's got enough trouble of its own to worry about. You don't have to be anxious. Don't be anxious for anything, but in everything with thanksgiving, in prayer and supplication, make your request known to God. You know what prayer and supplication is like? Prayer and supplication is like, say, say you had to climb a mountain and they put a backpack on you before you left. And it's like a 200-pound backpack just full of everything you don't need. This hike is only three hours long, and you got like a 14-person tent in your backpack, right? Prayer and supplication is like taking off that backpack and unloading everything that's unnecessary, that's weighing you down, and taking it out of that backpack. How do we do that practically? Well, glad you asked. Remember when I told you guys to be honest with the Lord? So honest that it was awkward. Anybody here for that one? That's how you do that. I don't know why I think he's doing I'm not, I'm not really like a laptop guy, you know what I mean? Anyways, that's how you do that. How do you make your request known to God? How do you lighten the load of that backpack? Well, what it looks like is taking that thing off, opening it up, and grabbing it piece by piece. What that looks like for us practically is getting quiet, making time, I mean real time, setting aside purposeful time with the Lord to say, all right, Lord, I need to unload some of these things because life feels a little bit heavy right now. So what do you have to do? Take them out piece by piece. One piece, just raw honesty. That's literally all the Lord is desiring. Just be honest. You don't have to say it in this perfect way. It doesn't have to be eloquent. It just has to be honest. And you take it out and you say, I don't know, I'm tripping today because I, I put on that same pair of pants I wore like three weeks ago and they were fitting way tighter. Now I'm tripping. Am I, am I getting chubbier? But I've been working out so much harder. Maybe it's gains. I don't know what it is, Lord, but it's messing with me. <laughs> you could be that honest. Okay, that one's out of the backpack. What's next? 
oh man, Lord, um, I got that, I got that thing coming up. I got that project due and I, and I haven't really been helping the team and they've all been working so hard and I haven't, and I feel bad about that. You know, I'm going to reach out to that team today. I'm going to see if there's something I could do out of the backpack. What's next? Lord, I, I don't feel like I've been praying enough. I haven't really been in your word. Now that I think about it, my streak on my Bible app hasn't been going for like four days. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm getting to your word today. Give me the strength to do that. Next. That's what it looks like. Literally making your request known to God with prayer and supplication. Spending the time, just like we were talking about earlier, near to God and taking off all the unnecessary weight that you're carrying around. I promise you tonight that the things that you're anxious about, God is in control of. I promise you, I don't need to know what it is. He is in control of it. I'll tell you this too. He's working on both sides. What does that mean? You feel like, oh man, yeah, okay, the Lord's able to do it, but I don't see any evidence of him doing anything. Mm. That's the other side. You don't see that side, but he does. And he's always working. And just like Jesus reminded us, hey, man, if I'm looking at the birds and making sure they're fed, if I'm looking at the lilies and the grass and making sure it's all painted like the most beautiful thing you've ever seen, I promise you I'm looking at you. I promise you. So, friends, tonight it is not worth it to wait anxiously. It doesn't do anything good for you. Matter of fact, waiting anxiously will only produce anxiety. Even more. The more anxious you are about something, the more anxious you'll stay. You want to be stressed out? Overthink about it. Just keep thinking about it. <laughs> keep trying to come up with an answer <laughs> to, one that, to a question that you don't even really know what it is. There's two ways to wait. There's a way that you can wait that produces good things in your life. You can wait patiently. You can wait near to the Lord. You can wait with purpose and be prepared in that season so that when the Lord finally, whenever he does in his perfect time, shows up and answers that question that when he brings what you've been waiting for, when he offers that opportunity that you've been praying for, you're ready and you're close to him. Things are clear. You can trust your godly wisdom because you've been in the word. You know that you're not carrying around a bunch of extra baggage because you've been presenting everything in prayer and supplication. When that moment comes, you're ready and you're better for it. For that season that you were able to wait, you'll be thankful for it. Thank you, Lord, that I waited that exact amount of time because in that time, I got ready. And now that it's here, I can step right into this. If you wait anxiously, you will only, you will only stress yourself out unnecessarily, friends. You stretch, you stretch yourself out unnecessarily. And when the moment comes that that prayer is finally answered or the opportunity is presented to itself, you might even miss it. You're not prepared for it. You're not looking for it. You're not close to the Lord and unloading all your baggage. You're carrying it all around. Your head might be down like this, and the blessing might be right there, and you're just like, ah, just got to keep, keep worrying a lot because that's doing so much for me. 
And the Lord's like, just give me that, please. Just give me that. My timing's perfect. Would you trust me? Get close to me. Because if you get close to me and you seek me first, first thing, everything else I will provide. That's a promise in the word. Seek him first. So I'm going to be honest with you guys, right? Maybe this doesn't make it on the podcast. You know what I mean? Maybe they don't put this one online. I don't know. Andrew, it's up to you, dog. (laughs) By the way, last week, if you guys were here, was that last week? Two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. I don't know. Whenever Andrew taught about purity, was that last week? That was last week. How fire was that message? Gosh, I've been thinking about it all week. It's amazing. One of my, Andrew Newman is one of my favorite Bible teachers of all time, to be honest. I love the way that guy teaches the word. It's so clear. It's unique. His perspective is awesome. He's so good at it. I love that dude. Anyways, let me just get personal, right? So this is what we're talking about. We're talking about David as an example of waited, waiting patiently. The beautiful thing is, before I, before I get into that, let me just say this. The fruit of David waiting patiently is in these three verses, Right? I already pulled out the answers. Listen to this. This is what happens when David waits patiently. The Lord inclines his ear. That just means he goes like this. Like, my daughter's about yay tall, and sometimes she says something, and she's got a little lisp, and it's so funny. Sometimes she'll go, Daddy, I think, 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 and I'm like, what? And so I go down here. What'd you say, baby? And she goes, I was just wondering if you mind if I watch my show. (laughs) No, no, that's okay. Yeah, you can watch your show. That's what that means. When he inclines, it just means he bends down. He bends his ear down just like you do to a little kid. What's that? Go ahead, say it in my ear. When David waited patiently for the Lord, the Lord heard him. He drew near to him. He inclined his ear to him. So many times when we're anxious, we feel like we're not heard. Amen? Sometimes that's what anxiety feels like, right? It's like, man, I just got all this stuff going on and and you don't even care. You're not even listening. Nobody's even paying attention. But David waits patiently, and the Lord listens. Oh, you're waiting? Yeah, talk to me, son. Because David waited well, the Lord heard him. Secondly, it says, he was brought from a desolate pit out of the muddy clay, and his feet were set on a rock. Because David waited well, he was delivered from his situation and placed on a solid foundation. Because he waited well. Because he waited well, he received a new song in his mouth, and it was a hymn of praise. Because he waited well, he looked back and he said, thank you, Lord, for what you did in that waiting time. Because right now, all I have on my mouth left is praise. I don't have questions. I don't have anxiety. I don't have complaints. I have a hymn that praises you with it. That's what the waiting well produced in David. And check this out. This is the last thing in verse 3 that it says was produced. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Are you telling me that because David waited well, other people's faith was bolstered? Yes, that's what I'm telling you. When you wait well, others will see you in your situation and they will say, I know what that person's waiting for and I can't believe they're this calm about it. I don't understand how they have peace. Their situation's crazy. Did you know? And look at him. He's trusting in the Lord. He's still got his joy. 
How is this possible? Because David waited well, his life was seen as a testimony to the faithfulness of God. In your waiting, are you presenting a testimony to the faithfulness of God that other people can see? If not, I would encourage you to do that. It's a beautiful thing and a blessing. So tonight, it's just something to think about, man. Are you waiting well? There are two ways to wait. One's good for you and beneficial. One's just going to keep you on a hamster wheel of stress and anxiety. Now, back to what I was talking about before. Your boy right now, he's waiting on something big, okay? That's me. Your boy's me. For some weird reason, <laughs> for some weird reason, I feel like the Lord dropped a blessing in my lap. And you know what? Let's keep it real. Check this out. So we just played that men's conference a couple weeks ago, right? Were any of you guys there? Beautimus. Wasn't it awesome? That was so rad. That was so rad. Anyways, I played that conference back in 2012, right? 2012, I was in this soul band. Nobody cares. But they hired me to come play it, and I played it. And it was so fun, and it was so rad. And I had a blast, right? It was, I think that maybe was the last one we did before Chuck passed. Because I, I know Chuck was there. Anyways, after that, I went through a lot of stuff, you know, like a lot of life stuff. Um, went through like a gnarly church split and regime changes and leadership and all kinds of stuff. Anyways, I end up not in church at all for a solid three years, probably. Uh, I still kind of went to church. Like I would slide in this Presbyterian church sometimes. <laughs> it was only two blocks from my house. So I would walk down there and I would literally like wait till they started so nobody would talk to me. And then I would slip in the back and just listen to them sing hymns. And before the guy would even come up and teach, I would slip right back out and be like, whew, oh, okay, I got it. I got to get out of here. I couldn't do it. Um, my heart was hard. It was, a, it was a difficult season for me. Why do I bring that up? So check this out. I'm at the men's conference, right? And <laughs> I'm not thinking about anything except the fact that I lost my capo. If you know me, you know that I don't even use a capo. Never have I ever used a capo on stage in my life. But I had one. You know why I had one? Just in case Danny Donnelly told me, hey, put on a capo and play these shapes. I was ready. Because Danny's the guy and I'm not. So I was playing second guitar. So I was like, I'm going to bring capo just in case Danny says something. So I have my capo. Well, when I was outside, I set all my stuff down to open the door. And I picked it all back up, but I left my capo. And I didn't know that at the time. So we're sound checking, and I don't have my capo, and I'm in my own head, and I'm like, oh, man, I don't have that capo. Danny's going to for sure turn around and blast me for this. I'm like, oh, this sucks, man. Just play. Okay, just play. Just play. I'm playing. I forget this. I got to go. I go outside. I start retracing all my steps looking for my capo. I can't think straight. I'm in a weird place. <laughs> so I go outside. The capo is sitting right there on the table, and I'm like, Yes. How often do you guys do this? The dumbest little stuff. I'm a church boy, man. The dumbest little stuff. I'm like, oh, thank you, Lord. Yeah. Found that cable. It's not wrong at all. It's, it's more right than not saying it. But that day I was like, oh, thank you, Lord. Yeah. Got it. Whew. Man, I feel so much better. And I turn around and I see this enormous convention center in Anaheim. Disneyland's right there. Convention center's right here. The moon's right above it, just kind of like a waxing crescent. 
And I'm like, I lose it. I just start crying hard. And I was like, <laughs> why are you so good to me? <laughs> I'm like, something as dumb as a capo when you care, man. Like, you just, you just knew I needed that thing to feel, to feel right right now. And you've, you led me straight exactly to where it was at. But you know what really hit me was, it had been 10 years since I played that conference. And I had been out of church for years at a time. And I was thinking to myself, when I was here last, I was just about to go through the most gnarly season of my entire life. When I was here last, I had no idea that a wave was going to hit me that would knock me down for years. I was lost in the dark for a while after that. And when they, I remember when they hired me for that thing and I was like, I'll do it, but... Yeah, this is, I don't know. This is kind of a weird fit. Like, I was playing different kinds of gigs at the time, and, like, coming into this convention center, I just felt like, do they really want me to, like, do, like, this soul thing? I don't know. It's going to be kind of weird. So I did it, but I was a little bit reluctant, not, like, to be involved with the church, but I just didn't know that my music would fit in that necessarily. So I was very much a guest at that thing. I was a guest. And I'm looking at the convention center, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm not even a guest we're, this church is hosting this event. Like we're putting it on. And I'm like so involved and I'm so stoked to like usher these guys in. Lord, look where you've brought me from. Something as dumb as finding my capo to turn around and having a revelation on the faithfulness of God. I was overwhelmed. And that same evening as I was crying out to the Lord, I was like, look, you've brought me so far I I lost everything and you've restored me. You've put me back together piece by piece. How are you this good to me? I, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve to be playing here. I don't deserve to be in my right mind. I don't deserve to be so blessed by you. And yet here you go, you keep going. And a couple days before that, I felt like the Lord had dropped an even bigger blessing in my lap. Something that I'm still praying through something that I'm currently in a season of waiting for. <laughs> but I felt like the Lord showed me something just a few days before that. I was like, I'm going to bless you with this. So I was like, man, not only have you put me together piece by piece and restored me, you didn't just restore me, but now you're blessing me beyond what I've ever had. So that night, I'm overwhelmed by the faithfulness of God, the goodness of God in my life. And I determined that night, Lord, it's before I was really in this zone for Psalm 40. I, I determined that and I was like, Lord, make me a man who's able to receive these type of blessings and be sustained. Make me the kind of man who when you bless me abundantly, I'm not weighed down by it. It's not too much for me. Build me up so that when you bless me, I can carry it. I want to be able to handle it, Lord, because the things you're about to pour out on my life are weighty. And I do not want them to crush me. I want them to build me up. So I determined that night, Lord, I just want to be near to you. And don't let me mess this up. Please bless me as much as you want to. And don't let me get in the way. So that was, I don't know how many weeks ago that was. Anybody? Like a month ago, maybe? Since then, man, I have been doing everything 
within my own power to stay as close to the Lord as possible. Not telling you that I'm awesome. I'm just telling you I'm trying. That's all I'm telling you. Because the Lord has put me in a season of waiting, and I want to wait well. So that when the things that he told me he's bringing me come to pass, I will be prepared. I'll be ready to receive them. And I won't be in a place where I'm not able to or where I maybe miss it. Now, testify. Two weeks ago. So what does that look like for me? Just real quick. For me, that looks like the very first thing in the morning when I wake up, I check in with the Lord. Lord, I'm still right here. Lord, the very first thing coming out of my mouth this morning is, thank you for everything you're doing. Today, as I get things started, would you please just keep me close? I don't want to be dragged into these other temptations. I don't want to be dragged into lesser things. Please don't let me be robbed today by lesser things that promise more because you are the greatest thing and you have everything I need. So keep me close to you and bring everything else as it comes. Get in the word. Get your mind right. Anything that's weighing me down, I'm taking it out of the bag. Lord, also today, I got that weird meeting, and I don't know how that's going to go. Would you please cover it? Let your Holy Spirit give me wisdom. Give me, guide me, Lord. Guide me in love so that it will last. Just, just being honest, you know? Two weeks ago, I'm not okay. I'm like starting to lose it. I had like two weeks of awesome clarity. I'm up at like six in the morning. I'm walking the lake in RSM, just like listening to Jay Vernon McGee. You know what I'm saying? Now turn in your Bibles, my beloved, to chapter 41. And I'm like, yeah, Jay Vernon, speak it, bro. And I'm walking and I'm praying and I'm calling my friends. I'm calling random people at like 6.30 in the morning. Hey, what's up, man? What are you doing right now? Check this out, dude. So I was just listening to this sermon, right? Dude, do you know that the same word in Isaiah <laughs> Just in that zone, you know what I'm saying? The Lord's good to me, and I just want to be close. I want to be around for it. Two weeks ago, I'm here at church, and uh, I'm starting to get a little bit anxious, to be honest. I'm starting to, like, kind of worry about stuff. I'm like, man, but what if it doesn't all come together? And what if, like, I just got all excited for nothing, you know? What if this whole thing just blows up in my face? I'm an idiot. I could totally blow this thing. And I'm just worrying unnecessarily. And I begin to just wander from that near place. And I begin to wander into confusion and anxiety and stress. And I'm feeling weird. I'm like, and I don't even realize what's happening. It's a slow drift. Whoosh, Holy Spirit quickens me. He's like, hey, get in your word, man. You're losing it. It's like, you're right. Let's do this thing. And I open my word. And something I've been saying for the last year is when people ask me, hey, Brent, how's it going, man? What, what's, what's new? What's up? What, what's your story right now? For one year straight, I've been saying, I'm just meditating in a field, bro. Just meditating in a field, you know what I'm saying? It's a reference to Isaac in Genesis chapter 24, okay? It's not some, like, new agey thing. I'm just meditating in a field, bro. And people are like, okay. Right on. I'm like, yeah, that's where I'm at. So whatever. So I'm thinking to myself, I'm anxious. I'm, I'm kind of, my, my thoughts are just spinning. So I'm like, you know what? I've been saying this for a year. I should probably know exactly what I'm talking about. So I open Genesis 24, 67 verses long. I read it. 
all the way through. And I've been in Andrew's uh, inductive Bible study class, right? And so he's talking about narrative texts and how you could throw this filter that's like who, what, where, when, why, how over the text. So what you do is you say, you ask the question who, and then you just sit there and go through. You're supposed to do like 10 verses. I did 67. 67, you go through and say, who's in this story? Now, Genesis 24, it starts out with Abraham, right? Father Abraham had many sons. Yeah, many sons. That's the jam. Anyways, Abraham. So I'm like, Abraham, the servant, the angel of the Lord, uh, Rebecca. And I'm going through everybody. Rebecca's brother, Rebecca's family, Rebecca's maidservant. The title of Genesis 24 is A Wife for Isaac. I'm like, where is Isaac? I'm going through this who section, and I'm, I've written down already like 62 names. Isaac is not one of them. Like, where is Isaac? Isaac's in verse 62 of 67. Check this out. Let me just encourage you with this. You wonder what waiting well looks like and what the other side, how the Lord works on both sides. Let me bring this all together. In that story, Abraham brings his servant close, and he says, hey, I want you to find a wife for Isaac, but I don't want you to take her from here, from the Canaanites. I want you to go back to the land of my fathers and pick him a wife, right? That's the charge for the servant. He says, before you goes the angel of the Lord. So as you go, the Lord goes with you. Matter of fact, he goes before you. Servant's like, I got you. Takes 10 camels, he dips. They get to, they're coming up to a well. The servant says, God, so that I know you're in this, would you please make it so the first girl I ask to draw water for me gives me water? That's all he says. So that when she draws me water, I could say, ah, oh, the Lord's in this. This is who he's choosing, right? So you know the story. First woman he asked to draw him water, Rebecca. And he says, excuse me, while you're drawing that water, would you mind uh, just let me take a sip when you're done? And she says immediately, hey, no, take a drink right now. Right now, go for it. He takes a drink. She says, now, he says that she hurries over and then waters all the camels. Not what, not what the servant asked the Lord. The servant just said, just let her give me a drink. She goes above and beyond. The Lord goes out of his way to show the servant, this is my will for Rebecca and for Isaac, right? Servant's overjoyed. He's like, oh, this is it. The Lord did it. Puts a ring through her nose, bracelets on her, on her wrists, and says, look, he testifies to Rebecca. He says, look, my master Abraham sent me. The angel of the Lord went before me. Back there at that sand dune, I stopped and asked the Lord to reveal someone to me, and they would give me a drink. Not only did you give me a drink, you watered all my camels. The Lord's so good. This is crazy. Rebecca says, legit. He says, can I stay the night because we're about to bounce and go back to my, the land of my master? She says, let me go talk to my, my family. She goes by herself. Crazy thing is her brother comes back to meet the servant. So her family sees the, nose, the, the ring in her nose and the bracelets, two shekels, one shekel. You know, all that, she's got a bunch of gold on. And the brother goes out and meets the servant. He's like, hey, we saw our sister, like, with all that gold on. Uh, why don't you come over for dinner? You could stay with us. Let's talk this out. You know what I'm saying? The whole family puts a meal before the servant and his servants. And the servant said, hey, before I even take a single bite of food, I need to testify of what the Lord's doing. Before I even take a bite, my master Abraham sent me. 
And when I stopped at the sand dune, I asked him to show me who it was. And your daughter immediately gave me water and all my camels. The Lord made it crystal clear. And then he says to the family, what do you say? And the family says, what can we say? By the word of your testimony, it's so obvious that the Lord's in it. We're not going to stand against the will of God. And so they say, give us 10 days. We'll get it ready and you guys can go. And the servant says, why would you delay my master? We go tomorrow morning. We're out. And the family's like, oh, dude, <laughs> just give us 10 days. man. It's a week and a half. You show up out of nowhere. They say, let's, let's let Rebecca decide. They call Rebecca in. They say, Rebecca, he wants to leave tomorrow. We're saying 10 days. What do you say, baby girl? And she says, we leave tomorrow. I'm going to go back. And she dips. Now, they make that journey all the way back, back to the Canaanites. And we get to verse 62. And it says that Isaac was meditating in a field. That's what that looks like. The reason that the Lord brought me to that passage, what he spoke to my heart that day was, look at the whole story. Isaac was not involved. Isaac's meditating in a field with me. Isaac's staying close to me. You want to see what waiting well looks like? He's literally chilling with me this whole time. He's not talking to the family. He's not putting rings on people and nose rings on. He's not arguing with the brother or telling him, hey, look, we got to go now. He's not doing any of that. The Lord did it on his behalf. The Lord was working on both sides. Did Isaac have any idea? No. Isaac had no idea what was going on. Yeah, FaceTime and all that stuff. He had no idea. He's chilling in the field with the Lord. And for 62 verses straight, the narrative shows how the Lord is working from the other side through Abraham, through his servant, sending his angel before him, confirming things, drawing this out of this other girl, bringing the conviction to give water to the camels, going back to the family, letting his servant testify to the family, testifying through the girl and saying, no, we leave tomorrow morning. I'm out of here. I see the Lord and I'm going with him. And meanwhile, Isaac's just in a field with the Lord, waiting, waiting well, waiting patiently. And there's only five verses of Isaac. And it says, Isaac sees his, his father's servant coming from afar off, and he sees a woman with him. And he's like, who, who this is this? She sees him as well. She says to the servant, who is that? He says, that's my master. She veils her face. She gets to him, and it says that he, Sarah had just died, Abraham and Sarah. Sarah had just passed away right before this. It says that he loved her, he made her his wife, and he took her into the tent of Sarah. She comforted him through the loss of his mother. The end. That's the end of that chapter. The Lord is so intimately concerned with everything that's going on in your life. He promises us that. Tonight, the Lord sees you. He sees your situation. He sees your current circumstance. And he's for you. He wants to give you good things. He's working on both sides. While you're waiting, he's working. While you're near to him, 
He's adding things to your life that you're not even aware of right now. Isaac was in a field with the Lord and the Lord brought him a tremendous blessing and he didn't lift a finger to do anything about it. I say all that to say there's two ways to wait. You can wait patiently or you can wait anxiously. Waiting patiently will produce fruit that is so awesome. It'll leave you with a song of praise on your lips and a testimony to all the people around you. Waiting anxiously will not make you even a cubit taller. It won't add any value to your life. It'll weigh you down. Tonight, no matter what you might be thinking about, no matter what might be bugging you, I'm encouraging you to make the decision to wait well. To take those things that might be bothering you, those things that might be weighing you down, and to begin to unpack them and invite the Lord to work on your behalf. All you have to say is, Lord, keep me as close to you as possible, and I believe you will work out the rest. Simple word. And it's not very difficult. Sometimes it's hard to turn those thoughts off. But when you can't turn those thoughts off, turn them into words out loud and give them to the Lord. Because he's always listening and he will take those burdens from you and lighten your load. It's what he does. He's just a good father like that. So I'm gonna invite the worship team up to close and we're going to pray. And afterwards, after worship is over, if any of you uh, need prayer, maybe there's something that you can't really shake off in this moment, um, I would love to pray for you. There's a couple other leaders here tonight that would love to pray for you. Just find somebody. And uh, let's just be honest with each other. You know what I mean? We don't necessarily have to overshare all the crazy details or something, but we could definitely be honest with each other and pray for each other, right? So let's pray. Lord God, you are so good to us. You are so faithful. Thank you for the example tonight of David waiting patiently for you. And thank you that you inclined your ear, you bent down and you listened to him, you heard him. You took him out of the mud and you placed his feet on a rock. You turned any worry that he might have had into worship. You put a new song in his mouth. And then you made it so that those that were looking on at his situation saw that he waited well. And their faith was bolstered because of it. Lord, would you make that our testimony as well? Tonight, Lord, collectively, if we were to put all of our anxieties, all of our fears and our questions and our stresses together, it would be very weighty in this room, I'm sure. Oh, but Lord, you said that your yoke is easy and that your burden is light. Lord, you said that you take care of birds and grass and flowers and how much more do you take care of us? You told us you're not allowed to be anxious for anything. 
I'm not giving you the excuse to be anxious for anything. But in everything, would you just talk to me? Would you make your request known to me? Would you begin to unload that backpack full of junk and let me take that off your back? Lord, tonight, that is what we pray that you would do. That you would take all that junk that we're carrying around, that you would take the things that keep us waiting anxiously, stressfully, and that you would help us to wait well, help us to wait patiently. And Lord, while we wait, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would bring a preparation to us that sets us up for those blessings that are on their way. Lord, that no matter what might come, we could say, I had a lot, I had a little, I was young, and now I'm older. I've never one time seen the righteous forsaken. I know how to bear through these things. It comes by staying near to the true and living God. You said, abide in me and I in you because the branch can't bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Lord, we want to abide in you and be so close that when you move, we move. We want to be intertwined with you. That our waiting patiently looks like a trust. That our waiting patiently looks like an embrace with you. Lord, we want to put aside all the things that get in between that embrace. We want to be close to you, Lord. We want to be hearing your voice. We want to be receiving direction from your Holy Spirit. We want to be well-versed in your word so that when we need to implore godly wisdom, it's in there. Your word says that from the abundance of the heart, our mouth speaks. Would you fill our hearts with your living word? That when we speak forth, we would proclaim your goodness. That even when we're not speaking, that our lives would look in such a way that people can look on and say, I know what that person's going through, but I see the way they're trusting Jesus. I want to trust Jesus like that. Do that in us, Lord. Not our own strength. We can't just will those things into existence. But we're not asking for that. We're asking just to get the junk out of the way so we could be close to you and you could do it. We're asking that you would help us seek first and foremost your kingdom and watch you add everything else. We can't bring anything out. We can't add things to our own lives. You can't. And Lord, we pray that all these things will be done in love. Lord, because your word says that love is the only thing that lasts. That we could prophesy with tongues of angels or we could give our whole body to be burned to a crisp as a sacrifice. And without love, it doesn't matter. It does not last. Lord, your word says that when I was a child, I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Lord, tonight, would you help us to put away childish things like stress and anxiety and worry and fear?